Hi, my name's Nate Johnson. I'm the founder and CEO of GLCS, and this is the Driving Forward Podcast. Like and follow GLCS on LinkedIn and continue to follow us on uh, on Thursdays at one o'clock. Today we have uh, uh, Kevin Coombs on our show. Um, I've met Kevin uh, some time ago, uh, but we started talking a lot more here in the last few months. And uh, Kevin is the CRO with uh, Greenscreens.ai. So happy to talk to Kevin about a variety of subjects in the industry. But before we get into that, uh, just wanted to touch base on a few things that we have going on uh, coming up here soon with GLCS. Uh, in the month of December, GLCS is uh, participating in wreaths across America. So December 16th, uh, we will be placing wreaths at uh, the Fort Snelling Cemetery in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, if you are interested in supporting Wreaths Across America, wreathsacrossamerica.org is the website. You can donate there. Uh, they are looking for additional personnel to assist with wreath placement. And if you are in the Minneapolis area and do not want to sign up directly, uh, please feel free to reach out to Driving Forward at glcs.net, and we'd be happy to have you join us on December 16th uh, for the wreath placement. Following that, uh, we're, we're taking uh, January off, and uh, we don't have any events going on there. We're not taking January off, but uh, we don't have any, any large events going on in, in January. Uh, but GLCS will be attending Manifest February 5th through 7th, that's in Las Vegas this year. Uh, so once again, follow GLCS on LinkedIn. We'll be posting all kinds of content throughout the, the conference, similar to what we did at F3, at uh, uh, Trimble Insight, and at a variety of other conferences that we've gone to. So we'll be putting up the date. We'll, we'll, we'll actually be doubling down on that this year as well, providing quite a bit of content at each event that we attend. Uh, so once again, uh, manifest uh, February 5th through 7th. Following that, we will be at the Mid-America Truck Show. Uh, that, I believe, is March 21st through 23rd in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, we're happy to join there. That's a, a very large event, and uh, uh, we'll be primarily walking that event and, and uh, uh, meet, meeting lots of people. But uh, um, to, uh, lots of events this year now that I'm looking at it, but immediately following the Mid-America Truck Show, uh, we do have a booth and sponsorship with uh, the Truckload Carrier Association, the TCA, in Nashville from March 23rd to 26th. Uh, so we do have a booth there and uh, are a, a member of the TCA. Uh, so we'll be happy to see everyone there. Uh, so we'll be picking everything up from Mid-America Truck Show and uh, shuffling over to uh, uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And then don't forget about the uh, Broker Carrier Summit in April 22nd uh, in Kansas City. That's April 22nd through 24th in Kansas City. 
we'll have a large amount of people in Kansas City. Um, we'll, Kevin and I will be talking about uh, the Broker Carrier Summit here shortly, but it's an event that you really don't want to miss. Uh, this will be markering basically the first year of the event. This is the third Broker Carrier Summit. The last one had 227 attendees, and we're really targeting 1,000 attendees uh, this time around. So uh, lots of activity around it. Uh, we're, we're talking to everyone. There's a lot of great energy surrounding the event, but this is largely targeting um, you know, relationships between brokers and carriers and creating uh, good relationships moving forward to kind of further the industry. So with that all being said, I'd love to bring forward Kevin Coombs, the Chief Relationship Officer with Greenscreens.ai. So that is a song from Eric Daly. It's called Big Truck Life. So Love it. Uh, he is a, uh, a trucking company owner, I believe, in the Tennessee or Georgia area. Um, but uh, uh, it's a great song. If you haven't heard the whole song, you should you should check it out. So we're actually talking to him about potentially attending the uh, Broker Carrier Summit. Nice. Love it. But that was awesome. Kevin, Kevin, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining. Uh, I appreciate you coming on on the the podcast today. Yeah, man. Happy to be here. I'm happy to yeah. talk uh, talk broker carrier and manifest. We'll be at both of them, right? So good shows. That, yeah. Well, we have a tendency of uh, kind of following each other. So we do. That's <laughs> funny, actually. Yeah, I just had that conversation with somebody else the other day. There's a few of us that were literally at the same places for months. Yeah. On end. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, if there's non-asset, you guys are there. If there's asset, mm -hmm. it's funny because there's different crews and we, we're starting to do more on the non-asset side. So you guys are always around when the non-asset side is around and, and uh, we have similar relationships on the asset side of the industry as well. So uh, it, it's fun. So And, and we, we get along great with you. I'm actually very interested on the, the Broker Carrier Summit and because uh, uh, we're, we're going to have a large amount of people there and to kind of combine the two i don't know how many people you guys are bringing but uh you brought an army to tampa so um it'll be great to have a a, a larger number of glcs people if you guys bring the same amount um that'll be kind of interesting yeah we definitely will we're it's it's crazy because like this year there were so many conferences back to back like you uh, said and now next year too there's just so many of them yeah it, it doesn't there doesn't doesn't go down in number it seems to there seems to be more so yeah it just keeps going up so kevin uh, a lot of this this podcast is oriented around learning about people and who they are beyond just what's going on in the current events today certainly we're going to talk about current events later uh but we really you know want to hear more about you know where you come from how you got into the industry um sort of who Kevin Coombs is. So with that being said, can you can you give us your background, where you come from, kind of the origin story of Kevin Coombs? 
Sure. I like a good book and a warm fire and a, and a walk on the beach. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, give me, give me a little background on myself and, uh, you know, kind of how I got into the industry and, and kind of how that's culminated in green screens and everything that's been going on the last couple of years. Um, I, yeah, so I actually got my, my career start in China uh, years ago. When I first graduated from college, I moved to China for a year. Um, I, I actually speak Mandarin. I took Chinese in college, so I took uh, three and a half years of it at Kansas State and got my minor in it. And so I packed up and moved over there for a year after college and, and kept learning Chinese and all that. And then really the logistics thing started the second time I lived in China. So I actually lived there in 07, 08, went back in 11 and 12 um, and actually had a company there for a couple of years um, and actually worked for a couple of different companies. One was my own company and then I worked for a, a large bus manufacturer um, that was an Australian company. And it's kind of how I got into the supply chain stuff, just learning the ropes uh, in China and really the ocean, the air side, but the supply chain side in general um, from the shipper side of the business. Um, we actually had, had a Chinese partner that did a lot of commodity trading too. So imports, exports, uh, steel, timber, things like that. So when I got back from China, um, I actually started working for a company here in Kansas City uh, called it was Catapult International. They were launching a separate company called Express Rate that they were trying to do like an online marketplace for forwarders uh, back in oh, 2013 um, and quickly then moved to Chicago and started working for Carrier Direct, which is Metaphora, which is another mm -hmm. A mutual friend of ours, yeah, friends of ours. Those guys, well, yeah, yeah. Yep, Peter and Ryan and all those guys. Um, yep. Peter actually started working there at the same time I did, about a year and a half after I did. So I was there pretty early on with Carry Direct, um, doing consulting work with brokers and 3PLs. We worked with some of the tech companies as well. Um, left there for a couple years, year and a half or so, and went to work in day to day freight. So I actually got cut my teeth on running a brokerage team and managed the sales and um had a team of seven brokers doing everything we did ocean air we did ltl truckload everything um so did that for a couple of years for a small uh brokerage forwarder down in florida called x rate and then i jumped in the tech side uh with revanova about five years or six no seven years ago now almost wow time flies yeah, i believe revanova's been around that long now actually so <laughs> time flies so Crazy. Yeah, I got there pretty early. I got there. They launched it, I think, in, in 16 and I got there in 17. Um, yeah. And so we only had six people at the time, seven, pe seven people, maybe. There's actually a funny story about that. Um, so the first day that I walked into Revenova's office on my first day of work, they had an office downtown. And then like a month after I was there, they moved out to the suburbs. So I worked mm -hmm. remote. But um, Andrew Silver was in the office with Matt Bogrich and Will Jenkins, and they were just starting Mobo. <laughs> <laughs> they were yeah. actually, we're, they the were world losing Revanova. The <laughs> it world, was different. The world is so small. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was my first day in Revanova. I didn't know Andrew or any of those guys at the time. Got to yeah. know them a little bit, not really well, but just really funny um, that they were in there. There's, you know, They had five guys, and they were starting Molo, and they were getting on Revanova. So, um, so yeah, I did that for four and a half years and then joined green screens about two years ago and took over, uh, all the sales and, and the commercial efforts here. So. Awesome. So a couple questions on the, the background, 
Um, why Mandarin? <laughs> That's a good question. Because <laughs> uh, I'm a crazy person. Um, so I actually did. So in college, I did political science and international relations and ended up in freight, as we all do, right? Um, <laughs> None of us yeah, exactly. We just trip and fall and end up here. Uh, so that's actually what I thought I was going to do was, was more government work, state department, or maybe like FBI, CIA, you know, something like that. That's actually what I was really interested in. My dad is actually a retired FBI agent. So that's kind of what my interest was. Um, and I was going to take a language for that purpose. And, uh, I was actually between Arabic and Chinese, funny enough. Okay. Um, and I told my parents that and they're like, you're crazy. Why would you take Arabic? <laughs> and my dad especially was like, you're going to end up in the Middle East. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, no. And this was, you know, 2003, 2004. So a different time also in right. the Middle East. Right. Um, though much hasn't changed. We can talk about that later. That's another podcast. Yeah, that's another podcast. So yeah, so I ended up I ended up on landing on Chinese and then ended up getting my minor in it. And uh, looking back, it was a good choice because I didn't end up in the government or any of that. I ended up doing business and it ended up kind of helping my career along. So oh that's interesting. Uh, so and then that you did you just kind of fall into the 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 move to china or how did that yeah that's another good question so i was actually so i graduated in may of 07 from school and um i was actually applying to get my master's in something with like international relations and international security and stuff and uh i just immediately like one day like had this epiphany where i was like i don't want to be in school anymore and <laughs> i don't want to be in manhattan kansas anymore at kansas yeah. state um and so I hadn't really looked for jobs or like really done much um, to that point in terms of like internships or jobs or anything. So I went to my Chinese teacher and I was like, hey, um, you know, what, what do you think? Like just different people, different teachers and stuff that I was talking to finishing my senior year. And she was like, hey, if you, you know, she's like, you like Chinese, you're really good at it. You could go live in China. She's like, you can teach English um and they'll pay for your flight they'll pay for your room and board you know everything and, and they'll keep giving you chinese classes a lot of them will do it so she's like you could do that so i graduated in may of 07 and i moved there in august of 07 so and yeah so that uh that's interesting um do you still use mandarin frequently then or no. has it um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I can still speak it pretty fluently. Cause I, I lived there three years in total, right? I lived there a year the first time in 0708. And then I lived there the second time with my own company that I had in 11 and 12. Um, and so I got pretty fluent in it living over there. So I can still speak it pretty well. I always tell people it's like your vocabulary is what goes though. Right. It's right. like, if you don't, it's like leaving a job with jargon or something, right? And you sure. don't use that jargon anymore. Like you leave the freight industry for 20 years. It's like you come back, like you still get it, but you know, some of that yeah. jargon might be lost on you. So yeah. I don't lose use it as swagger. much as I should. Yeah, you lose yeah. the swagger. Yeah. Uh, the, the reason why I ask all of that is, you know, I, it's something that comes up commonly when, when in conversations with you or around you. And I just had, you know, the, the further detail around it, I think, was was what I was hunting for. So, as you know, how how did this 
overarching Kevin Coombs in 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 China happen. So you know, yeah, it's it's funny it's, to think. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to think about too, because like if we're at like conferences, like we're at Broker Carrier talking about it, or people bring it up, it's um, now since I don't use it as much like day to day work or anything like that, which I did for years, right? I used it in my work and different things. Um, it's funny because people are like, yeah, Kevin speaks Chinese, <laughs> you know, like and you're like, wait, what? Like it's not like a cheap yeah. bar trick, like <laughs> right, right. It's, like, you know. it's a language that I speak. Uh, I do card tricks. So, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's, no, that's uh, Well, that yeah, that's that's uh, uh, great. I mean, I appreciate you sharing all that with me. That's uh, something I've been curious about. So obviously, I had the opportunity to to pin you down and you couldn't run away or, or, uh, uh, get called off by 45 other people to talk. So, um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so time at Revanova. So they've obviously become kind of a powerhouse on the non-asset side. Um, four years with Revanova, right? That's what you'd about four and a half. Up. Yeah. Almost five. Yeah. yeah. Four and a half. So, so really kind of rode the wave of that. And I, if I recall, there was, you know, a few different solutions that were coming up in logistics on the Salesforce platform at that time. But Revenue is really the only one that has stuck um, and, and stuck quite successfully. We have a lot of customers that are on on Revenova at GLCS. Um, and so that that kind of launched into then green screens, right? Um, that was the move in the green screens. So, um, so two years at green screens, uh, that's been a ride. Um, I know, you know, we started talking some time ago and, and I've been aware of green screens for some time, but, uh, tell me about what's, what's, uh, going on at green screens. Yeah. The, the ride has been crazy these last two years, actually. It's like surreal, um, the growth that we've had and, and kind of what's happened. Um, so yeah, so the company itself, I don't know, if, I don't know if you, Don's told you the story about the background or anything, but, um, we actually launched out of a digital freight brokerage. That's how the company originally came about. Um, so there was a, there was a company in, in Chicago called Cargo, C-A-R-G-G-O. Um, they were, you know, this, they launched in like 17 or 16 and they were trying to do the digital freight brokerage thing, right? The convoy Uber type model. And they were building a lot of their own technology um, and they built their own pricing tool and capacity tool and some other things. And um, they were not as heavily funded as Uber and Cowboy. I'll just say that yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah. compete at that level. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and so uh, Ben Gordon, who's the chairman of our board, if, if you know Ben, Ben from Cambridge Capital. Uh, he got introduced to the owner of that company and uh, started talking to them and said, "Hey, it's like basically, I'm you know I'm not interested in, in the digital freight thing, but I am interested in the technology." And so they brought in Don as a consultant originally, um, our CEO Don Salvucci Fabier, and she it was uh, a co-founder at 3G TMS, has a long history in, in TMS, about 30 years and on the product side. And so they started looking at the technology and they landed on the pricing technology. So that's how green screens actually started. They looked at the pricing technology. They said, Hey, if we can take this and we can adapt this into something we can sell to other brokers and 3PLs, right. To empower them to predict rates and quote faster and automate rating and things like that. 
um, and give them their own pricing engine. That's something we could have something there. And so that's kind of how it started was that way. And then I joined the team about two years ago. So we launched the product in April of 21 and then I joined in November of 21. Um, so we had a couple of customers at the time. I think we had like seven or eight customers. Maybe we had a couple of pilot customers. NFI was one of the pilot customers that helped us build out the concept of the technology to make it more, you know, flexible to use with different brokers. Um, and then, yeah, so joined to take over the sales efforts uh, in November of 21. And we've gone from eight customers to we just signed our 146th customer today. Um, and so, yeah, all in just over two years, my two year anniversary was like three weeks ago. So congratulations to that. So both the two years and the 146th customer. So <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> It's been fast, yeah. so. It's, uh, no, that's that's awesome. Well, you definitely have impacted uh, impacted the industry. I'd say the, uh, uh, I mean, uh, obviously have impacted the industry. Uh, you know, we had a shakeup this year. I wouldn't say a shakeup, but a, a change in the the freight waves uh, top one or or freight tech top one hundred. Uh, you guys came in at top five, but certainly the top 25 were a different set of companies than we usually see. I know I practically leaped out of my chair when you guys got five. Um, Appreciate so, that. We did too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So no BS, just GS. So, uh, <laughs> so but, uh, what did you feel about that top 25 um, and, and kind of the different actors, different companies that we saw this year comparative to previous years where, you know, we're kind of seeing the same people over, same companies over and over for many years. And now for the most part, everybody's new. Um, so I'm yeah. not sure. It was interesting this year. We did not know we were going to end up there. I'll just say that people always talk about these things and these awards and stuff and how they're, you know, pay to play or, you know, something like that. And we definitely didn't do that. I can probably see that. Uh, yeah. We have a great relationship with Freight Waves. I'm not saying anything about that. Like, but we, it wasn't something we, we, we bought. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, we had no idea we were going to end up at number five on that list. Um, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, this year was, was really interesting with a lot of the new entrants and the new players that were on the highway was on the list as well. Right. It was a good partner of ours. Um, right. We, you know, it's funny too. It's like we looked at the, the people and the, the types of, you know, markets that they service and the type of products, you know, that were on there. And it, I think it's just changing nature of the times. Right. And post COVID, and the supply chain difficulties and the volatilities in the market, I think you're seeing, um, you know, just a shift in, in the sentiment of what people are looking for in the industry. Right. And so, right. Um, yeah, we were uh, excited and uh, I was going to try to pull up the list if I could, I was going to try to figure it out. Yeah, I, I, I have yeah. them. I, it's not something that I have that can be shared um, right at the moment. That's all good. Yeah. yeah I think, so because like ahead of us, I think there was, it was interesting. Like the, the four people yeah. ahead of us were, were huge companies, you know, Amazon, Best Pass, was on there. Best Pass was on there. 
people that have a lot, a lot of these people have had a lot of investment, (laughs) right? Yeah. And not to say that we haven't taken any money, but it's, yeah, it's it's just a very, very different. And we also service brokers in 3PL solely. And most of these people service shippers that were ahead of us too. So it was interesting. Um, Right. Had Had kind of a bigger footprint than what necessarily, I mean, if you look at the, your market, you have somewhat of a limited market at the moment. I, I think that there's potentially a breakthrough for you guys coming, but um, there may or may not be new things coming. Fair enough. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. I keep saying the same yeah. thing about TLCS too. You know, we have, yeah. we have a huge potential, but you got to actually do it. Um, and sometimes doing is harder than you think. But yeah, we yeah I mean, you look at the horizon for sure. Sure. Uh, but I mean, Blue Yonder was on there. I mean, I would have never have guessed to see Blue Yonder on there. Uh, although they have some great things that they're doing. Blue that Yonder. that was a shocker. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, Orkite's on there. You know, you've got some of the other Bitfighter made it on the, the top 25, which is awesome. Happy for right. Brad and all of the stuff he's done. Um, I talked to you, I was just on Weather Track with Dooner last Friday, and he asked me the same thing about the Freytech 25 and being on there. And I was like, you know, it's it's honestly like a lot of getting on that list and 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 doing that this year. So we weren't on it before, was just our customers um and sure. the feedback that we've gotten from the service that we provided in terms of and I don't mean that in like, hey, we're great. It's just more like the 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 differentiation, the uniqueness of what we've provided to the brokers and 3PLs in the changing landscape of freight, right? Um, there's just so much more, there's so much more being demanded of them now in terms of speed and also accuracy, right? You really have to be clued in on the market changes and what's going on. And and again, I, like I said before, I think some of that's the volatility after COVID and what happened to the supply chains and stuff. People are being way more you know shippers are being way more uh, scrutinizing of of the rates that they're getting and the carriers that are being used and the different things that are going on so i think that's that was a huge part of it was just start listening to our customers and adapting to the market as it's changed and uh we've had good success with that from a from a transparency standpoint and delivering the data and the accuracy and the results to customers in that way so no, I can completely see that. I think speed and consistency and consistency, repetitive consistency and and response time is much more important now across all platforms, whether you're broker, carrier, um, shipper, everyone needs immediate answers and they need it to be accurate. Um, you know, there's no you just look at at any any sort of data transaction today um getting it just briefly outside of rates any sort of data transaction today and the demand that's being asked is so much more than what it was 10 years ago it's so much faster so much more accurate the requirements are are so much deeper sometimes they're even you you really ask why why do you need this? But uh, um, on the rate side, you know, certainly that's that's uh, not a debatable thing. You're talking money, so. Um, but yeah, you, know, you made a good point there too. The data in general, I think what we've realized with, um, I mean, especially with all the AI stuff that's going on right now, right? We've realized that one of the key advantages of having automation or automated data transfer or you know key integration 
to improve accuracy of, of data transactions, um, both on a pricing side, but also BOLs, right? Or, you know, shipment information around the pickup times, delivery times, carrier information. You look at all the fraud that's happened in the market. Um, if you're integrated and automated and you're transacting data without being manually input, um, that solves a lot of those problems because you don't have human right. error um, that can be introduced into the process when it's done that way. And uh, I think that's also what's changing. And that's some of this stuff with the Freight Tech 25 is I think some of the players in that, that, that space that were on that list are kind of keying into that concept, like integrating direct data transfer automation, accuracy in, in data so that the, the transaction is just smoother at that point. Yeah, seamless, smoother. They're they're pulling it into when possible, pulling it into the TMS or whatever solutions that they're they're working with, uh, when possible at least. Um, yeah, you see a lot more of that now. Uh, they get frustrated when they can't um, when they're working with legacy products that that can't bend that way. And and yeah, there's a lot of that today in in modern solutions. So I. I see that as well. Yeah, speaking about AI, um, I recall a conversation where uh, I think you and I had at the Broker Carrier Summit when potentially that might have been when we first met. Um, we may have met before then, I don't remember. But the first conversation of any depth that we had, um, we were talking about AI and data mining and data um, cleansing, I think is, uh, you mm -hmm. had a particular term that you were using and i don't remember what term what <laughs> data cleansing or filtering we use filtration a lot yeah so uh just you know that's how you you had thought i think at that time or in me i don't want to use put words in your mouth but you know one of your your points to ai was uh um, just its ability to clean up the, the massive amounts of junk that we have from from data uh from a data perspective um so it, the way you had you had kind of eloquently said it so um you know I, that's somewhat resonated with me over the past few months um as i've watched some of and i don't like using ai as a, a term just like everyone else in freight tech or logistics tech tries to avoid it um you know but but all of us secretly are out here hunting for the real ai solution we just don't want to talk about it yeah uh, well i mean Every one of us are, we, we all perk up when somebody says AI, but we all don't want to talk about it. So, um, but yeah, from a cleansing perspective, um, I think we're, we're seeking that out to, you know, we move ridiculous amounts of data ourselves and have issues with uh, the cleanliness of it. Having, you know, if you look at how much uh, driver data we move, it's uh, uh, almost insane. So, uh, yeah, I think the key there, first of all, I don't think I've ever been accused of eloquence, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was before the summit actually really started. <laughs> it just spit it out usually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that the key with AI that people miss on a lot um, is that it's a process of uh the data cleansing component of it is the most important part in terms of getting a clean model 
so that when you train an algorithm, because there's really two parts to that, right? It's, it's the model that you build, that you feed the data into, that then trains the AI, and then the AI is making inferences from it, right? It's, it's learning from that, and then it's adjusting algorithms to make a prediction or to give you an answer or whatever it is, right? Um, and so if you, it's just like anything, right? It's garbage in, garbage out. If you feed bad data with bad variables uh, or not enough variables, right? That it can make a clean inference, um, then it's, you're not gonna get accurate results. Right. And so I think the, the key to that, that, that people, I think, misunderstand in terms of like, if you look at ChatGPT or the fear around some of the stuff that's happening with AI, right? Uh, is that it, it's inevitable in that human beings, the world has moved too fast, right? We just talked about it with just the freight industry in general, but it's just the world around us is moving too fast. Answers are expected too quickly. Information is expected to be at your fingertips right away. And human beings don't have the capacity to take massive amounts of data and multitask and crunch it all down and do it. Um, you think about research and science, right? And how many years it takes for people to figure things out with new uh, drugs or cures for diseases because they have to go through all of these cases. They have to go through all of these situations and all these trials and tests and things to uh, go through and, and, and figure out what the solution is. Whereas like a computer can do that all at the same time. Right. Can do it all at once in a, in a multifaceted, multi-threaded environment where it can take massive amounts of data. It can analyze all of it and then it can model it and then break it down and then train itself. Human beings will never, we just can't do it. And so I think if we're, we're expecting the trend to continue both in freight, but also in, in the world of instant information and, and, and good information, clean information, right? Not Twitter uh, or X, <laughs> but um, you know, good, clean information and, and results like, AI is inevitable in that way because it's the computer just has the capabilities that we don't have to, to transact that data and clean it and, and model it. So I think that's the difference is the transaction versus non-transactional data. So, well, I mean, even non-transactional data can still be mined for transaction. So the strain, I mean, but transaction, I mean, when you're dealing with large quantities of transactions that are forms and formulated data that's where cleaning that up you know it becomes easier um you know when you're dealing with unstructured data i guess is the proper term um that's where you know it becomes a little bit more difficult but um certainly structured data is a lot easier to uh to clean up so potentially, or at least we like say, structured data. We don't always get it at green screens. Yeah, you guys know that, right? With GLCS, yeah. we do it working through. We, we know that very well. So yeah. if, if every one of the solution providers in the world would decide that they're going to work on some sort of generic format, the world would be a lot easier, but no one talks the same language. <laughs> yeah, everybody's got to be different, and yeah, nobody talks the same language. So, so we have to, we have to figure out how to make you know, 
Klingons and Romulans talk. So exactly, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, it's a, it's a fair point though. Specifically, like in our industry in freight, right? Like you have how many different TMS providers with different data models, um, plus the shipper TMSs, plus uh, you know other transaction systems, bid boards, or whatever else. And like, there's there isn't going to be a single standard for that. I think, I brought this up the other day. I think you actually saw this on LinkedIn when we were talking about the rate thing with the, the TQL yeah. thing, right? And I'm like, it, it's different because the the stock market does have that. It has a structured data format and it's regulated right. and the SEC mandates the way that the records are kept and the data that's transacted and how it's done. Um, it has to be because you're playing with everybody's money. You're playing with world global economy. Like it, it's, it has to be. Um, but it's also in like an infinite number of transactions that can be pre presented, right? There's a million stocks. I always bring this up. Like if I don't want to buy Tesla today, I can go buy Amazon or something else, right? I don't yeah. have to go buy Tesla stock. That's not the only thing I can do to make money. In trucking, it's limited capacity. I don't have a choice. I can't go to, if I don't have a truck in Chicago, I can't go to New York to get a truck. Like that just doesn't right. work. I have to move freight out of Chicago. And so, I think that's where it's different for us too, with the unstructured data and what have you. Is there's, there's no way to get, you can't regulate that. And, and nor should we. Like it, it's a, that's, it's, it goes against everything yeah. in a free market. It would be so well, troublesome for everyone in the supply chain. Debatably, I mean, I, coming from the carrier side, I can rate however I want. I just might not get the load. I mean, you can, and I, I, I have rated that way in the past, uh, and I did get freight. Um, you know, you can rate that had, in and get rate right out of market you know and then when you're dealing with larger quantities and you're a larger fleet you can flex and say let's say i'm moving 25 to 50 loads a day out of a market and i have a shipper that needs that volume commitment on a daily basis mm -hmm. so just to say i i have chicago I, a shipper out of chicago that needs to move 25 loads a day to denver I have 25 trucks a day in Indianapolis and I'm going to rate it. I'm, I'm just going to give them the rate. They, they have a choice on whether or not they want to mm -hmm. take that or not. Um, they can say no. Uh, but th that's, I think, the point that you're making is, uh, and you said this, someone else said it later in that stream or that, that, that conversation is, you know, I, I know I said it twice, um, you know, that carriers need to understand their costs and put that out there um and if they choose to take a load or if they don't choose to take a load is on them not on someone else um so if you're gonna run empty you throw that rate out there if the broker takes that load or if the shipper chooses to take that or i'm sorry if the broker takes the truck or if the shipper takes the truck and you've wrapped in your costs then that should work for you if it doesn't work for you then that's your error, not the. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the idea is to make money, right? It's, so, it's, looking at your data specifically, I get your point on you know we have have particular markets that we're working in, but you're you're looking specifically at transactional spot market. Um, mm -hmm. Specifically, items. yeah, yeah, is is what I think the core of that discussion specifically was. Um, you know that and. And that's a great segue kind of into, you know, we were talking, we wanted to talk a little bit about rate transparency in this um, 49 CFR 371.3. Um, 
And so I've memorized that one. I, I said it like 40 times over because it's coming up so that's often. That's pretty good. That's yeah. Pretty good. yeah. Um, but that's the, uh, um, the bill or the, uh, um, the, uh, uh, sorry, the bill that, uh, uh, basically, um, requires brokers to, um, uh, show or state the uh, amount billed to the customer, uh, to their customer, and the amount paid to a carrier. So, and, and that's already in place and and has been for some time. I think since the mid '90s or early '90s, um, it's been amended a few times. Um, it's fairly open, uh, and it's not well defined as timelines that are out there. Um, you know, I, I've called out there being a couple issues with it, both on the carrier side and on the broker side. You know, my broker hat on, I say this is a horrible um, uh, scenario to have. It, it uh, uh, basically opens you up for back solicitation. It gives you, you know, your carriers now have your gross rate to uh, um, to your your customers. But in reality, if I really wanted to, I could create two brokerages and broker a load to myself, or you know, even though that's technically double brokering, but if you co-broker a load, who's the actual customer? You can co-broker loads, yeah. Yes, you can. So, you know, you could create some sort of ghost broker scenario with a co-brokering separate company and start hiding your gross rate. I mean, this is gonna create solution. If there if you go down some road, it's gonna create some solution that's gonna get funky. Um, and it's going to be to protect the broker from a back solicitation scenario. And it's also, you know, uh, Grace Sharkey mentioned yesterday, it's going to, you know, also be something to, to, to reduce administration cost on the broker from, from having to research all this data that's going to be asked for by carriers. And um, so on the carrier side, in my opinion, um, most of them don't care. Um, the smaller fleets, uh, smaller independents, um, five, 10 truck fleets are, they may care, but, uh, those that understand their costs are, are likely going to be, um, not too worried about this. So, um, there's all kinds of open-ended items with it that, uh, um, I don't think we know. I mean, you look at an individual transaction on this and say, you know, a broker made 60% margin. Well, do they have people on site? Are, you know, are they managing transportation on site? Is there, you know, some sort of cost that's unknown to other people on this? Is there, is there a scenario where they need to get that type of margin because of a cost that's associated to them that isn't necessarily transactional on the order? You know, those are stories that we don't necessarily have. Is it seasonal? Um, and, you know, nine months out of the year, they make a 5% margin, um, those type of things. So uh, I, I just monologued. So uh, you're good. I think you brought, something, you brought something interesting, though. And we talked about this at Broker Carrier um, a little bit, right? We had a couple of these in the discussions on the panels and stuff. And I, I think we this will definitely be a good topic to discuss in April in Kansas City, yeah. my hometown. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the the transparency piece it's it's interesting because 
it doesn't, and this is something we discussed at Broker Carry in Tampa, it doesn't behoove a broker to, to screw on their carriers either, right? I mean, you, you don't, you need good carriers that can handle the load that are going to do it effectively and happily and safely to keep your customer happy and on time. Um, and on and vice versa, right? The carrier with certain brokers, if they're working with the right people, right? There's bad actors in any industry and bad apples, but if we're with the right people, you, you know, you, you go back to that broker because you can get more loads. And so you do want to have a good relationship, a strong relationship with them, right? Now, in the case of like somebody like a TQL and they're so large and and what have you, yeah, there's gonna be bad apples inside the owner their own organization. Right. I mean, that's that's just going to happen if they have a thousand plus employees. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, something interesting, like the 60 percent or the, un, you know, the hidden costs or whatever. Right. And and if you're one carrier, you need to move three loads and you're like, oh, you got a 50 percent rip on me on a margin. Yeah, but there might be 20 other loads. Right. That that they didn't. And there's reasons for that. It's one load for one shipper in this situation. Right. And, and it doesn't affect the end of the day. I mean, it, it, it like you said, the carrier took the load for that price. So it, it, it has no bearing on what the uh, I, I could buy something from you and then go sell it, you know, for five hundred dollars, go sell it for a thousand dollars. And you're none the wiser. And, and, it, and, and you feel good about the five hundred dollars you made because you bought it for two fifty. Who cares? Right. Like it doesn't, that's that's not really that's not really yeah. a. Um, you know, like you said, you, you have to understand your own costs and run your own business at the end of the day. But I think the key, though, is with with and especially what Dan, you know, is trying to do with with the broker carrier summit is like, you know, building those relationships. So it's not just these transactional relationships so that that there is incentive to give uh, a fair rate to the carrier to you know, give a a fair, you know, service to the broker so that there's reciprocal business there too. I, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think you, you could split hairs all day over the 60% load or whatever, right. but they, there's, there's thousands and thousands and we transact through green screens with our hundred and something customers on a daily basis. We have like 40 to 50,000 loads hit the AI a day. But that's yeah. like it's a so it, it, you know you, you can split hairs all day but it's that there's a lot of freight and we're not even i mean we're just scratching the surface right as we grow so yeah i, I think it's uh, uh the nitpicking can can get a little crazy at times agreed uh the when you when you really come down to it to, to reiterate some of what you just said it comes down to relationships you know i've said this countless times and i try not to echo the same statement over and over um i did have lunch with one of my mentors in the industry yesterday uh and he's now in his is early to mid 70s and and retired um, but he was around prior to deregulation and you know he called out that uh you know carriers have kind of gotten lazy over time um they especially the smaller ones they stopped selling they stopped worrying about the relationships uh um and i think over the last 10 years brokers have to some extent stopped worrying about the, the carrier development not all of them but some of them and that's where you know the broker carrier summit comes in as you know bridging that that relationship barrier 
um, creating that safe space to where I, I, I recall creating that safe space where you can talk out some of these items so everyone can see it from multiple angles without having to worry about getting angry on a phone because you need to move a load or, or you have 10 different things going on in the office. But to come out of that with, with a strategy of I need to shore up the way I operate. So on a carrier standpoint, they cannot, and I, I've said this for many, many years, and I've run a lot of trucks throughout my career, uh, but you cannot run the kingdom come. Uh, you cannot just take loads anywhere. It does not work in, in markets like right now. And yeah. and the, if you just scatter it out over time in a great market, in a, in a solid carrier spot market, in a carrier forward spot market, they're going to make good money. They're, they're going to do really well. But when times get tight, they're going to get destroyed. And you got to take that time to develop lane saturation lane you know develop that lane with a broker if you're a five ten truck fleet develop that lane with a broker or try to build your own shippers in that lane if you can if you can't then build out a small set of brokers that you work with if you can't go back and forth make you know, making money build some triangles that are all kind of operating within in the same um fashion but you know look at it as a head haul that head haul back haul head haul scenario. Um, so you're, you're at least getting two strong rates and only one weak rate in, in, in that sort of strategy. And you're not just going head haul, back haul, head haul, back haul. Um, it will, it, you, if you're not hauling customer direct freight, you're, you're going to take some fluctuation, you know, when the spot market weakens, but you're not going to get hit as hard if you have those relationships with the, with the, uh, the brokers established. There's uh, that. That's where I think that uh, through the broker carrier summit, both the brokers will benefit because at the carrier side, when the carriers are dominating the spot market, they're going to move freight that they normally wouldn't move faster, and at a slightly better margin, they're not going to get gouged as hard because you know the relationships over time, and everybody needs to figure that one out because uh, it seems like. It seems like we can't, as an industry, uh, work together, and everybody seems to forget every two years um, or every year or two. Uh, although we're this particular cycle seems to be running a little longer than usual, but we seem to forget that. So, um, so anything else on 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 the, the rate transparency or or anything that uh, I, I guess we leave it with. I mean, it's. Um... You know, one of the things that, I mean, obviously the green screen is right. What we're trying to do is help brokers and 3PL specifically get to the right rate, right? And it's not always about like the market rate. And, and this is something you kind of just mentioned, right? It, it's not, there's not a rate. You move scrap metal, you move uh, TVs for Samsung, and you move, uh, you know, pharmaceuticals. So those are three different trucks, <laughs> three different carriers, two different requirements from the same place to the same place. So you're probably going to have different rates. And so I think that's the other thing that is important. And we talked about this uh, panel that I did at, at Broker Carrier. The, both, but the carriers and the brokers need to have a better understanding of market dynamics in general, right? And the changing market dynamics so that they know what those rates should be, right? And have a better idea of where they need to price their truck so that they can make money 
um, aligning with their costs, as you mentioned. And so I think that's another thing as an industry, we just need to get better at is adopting better technology, better resources to be able to, and demand it. I think that's the other thing too, right? We've just stuck with this same idea for years that this is, you know, this is the rate in the market or something like that. We need to demand better technology and transparency into what that is. And it's coming. I mean, there's a lot of people that are working on this problem on multiple levels. We are, but others as well. Um, but I think that's it too, right? Is, is like, under, you got you to gotta take the onus on yourself to understand the market and what those rates are as well. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, determining where the rates are coming from, um, not not only on the carrier side, but on the, the broker side, you know, understanding the carrier side should be driven by a little bit of market impact, but also cost and where they need to be. Um, you know, ultimately, they should be cost plus and the plus being market impact and and you know, that can be substantial dependent upon the scenario. Um, now, as far as green screens goes, just so I can, I can kind of table that the, the rates that you guys put out, how are you gathering those rates? How are they being, how are they being predicted? Yeah. So essentially, so as I said, we, we work only with brokers and three PLs today. Yep. We're, we're working on some other products for other parts of the industry and, and we'll be changing, you know, adapting some of the technology we've built for that. But today, um, so we, all of our customers, every customer we have contributes to the models. So everybody's feeding their data in, we get it as real time as we can get it. Um, so that the AI can learn from up to the date, up to mm -hmm. the minute data. Right. Um, so we're feeding in, um, all the load characteristics that they can send us. We can take up to 37, <laughs> not everybody okay. can feed us 37, but if we can get 37, that's great because kind of what I just mentioned, uh, the idea is yeah. that it's not, not all loads are created equal. It, it, there's, there's different loads that are, have different requirements. And so you need to understand what those requirements are. And that's, what's going to model what that rate is from Chicago to Denver instead of the next, you know, next load. And so all of our customers feed that data in, it is then cleansed as we talked about and filtered um, through the models. And we actually produce two rates. So we produce a network rate, which is what we, what, what uh, is, is really just a generalized model. So every one of our customers logs into green screens, they see that they're gonna see the same rate. Um, that's a generalized filtered cleaned model that the, the AI is predicting a rate at the moment that it's asked for for that lane uh based on all of that data all those characteristics we also bring in market data i should add around like capacity fuel different things like that that also plays into it not just what people paid and what those loads were um and so that's the network rate and then we also build a target by rate for each customer and this is kind of what i was talking about about understanding your own rates and understanding your own freight and your own characteristics the target rate is individualized for each customer. So each broker, we build a model that is their model and it uses everybody's data, right? So you think about making comparisons between their data and this customer's data and that customer's data. When the AI does this, we don't share any of the data, but the AI is learning from all of it and then comparing and making similarities so that it can then produce an accurate rate or as close to accurate as possible. And so that target rate, 10 of our customers can go and run Chicago to Denver, different rate. Sure. They have different freight and characteristics. So I think um I think that is something that is 
you know, we, we kind of preach that, uh, in a big way. It's, it's, it's all the different variables that, you know, we, we probably look on every load about a hundred different variables in general, right. With all the market stuff. Um, that's important <laughs> because that's how, that's how the market moves and that's how it works. Right. No, that's great. I, I appreciate that detail. I don't think I've ever had that description given to me, especially 37. Someday I'll ask why 37, but I want to <laughs> move on. You to, can probably guess. You probably know. You have a background in freight. You know what they are. I mean, yeah. Right? yeah. Well, I'm sure what if I actually sure if I started writing down, I'd come up with 37. So You could. All right. So we got a few minutes left. Um Two questions. First one, uh, well, technically three questions. Um, how do you think 2023 went? We're wrapping up 2023 right now. You put me on. You put me on the spot. Not good um, for anyone. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so when we so the rates themselves, right? Um, Don actually talked about this at the broker carrier. So with our rate data, so right now we represent about 20. 20 plus billion, probably 21 or $22 billion worth of broker to carrier data. That is this, you know, annually, that's like real time ringing in and then predicting off of um, when on the network rate, when we looked at like medium hauls and average length of haul of like 700 miles across the peak to trough from like February of 22 to, I think it was like August of or no may maybe of 23 i think it's like may of 23 uh, when we hit the bottom it was like 60 percent drop <laughs> rates um and so with without i mean yes volumes were a little sporadic or chaotic i guess i should say but volumes didn't like decrease massively right they were pretty flat right yeah um or decreased slightly or flat and so uh, you were just moving the same amount of freight for less money this year. I mean, that's that's basically what it was, right? Um, and that was painful for a lot of people. If you didn't put money away for a rainy day, this year was pretty rough. Because um, you were either, you were either on both the carriers and the, and the brokers, you were either trying to dump customers because it wasn't profitable business, right? Or you were trying to maintain customers. Um, and and, keep, and hopefully keep the cash flow going to get through this, but then we've been flat <laughs> through the end of the year, right. so it's just been a continual. Um, okay, let's tread water, uh, and I and and that's uh, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, that could be another podcast, right? As to why that all happened, um, the government surplus in the money that was out in the market, and you know, the prices increasing in the inflation after COVID and everything else. Um, I think silver lining <laughs> to, to how bad, you know, how poorly uh, in 2023 has gone. And, 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 and I mean, you can, you can see it's evidence too in, in yellow and convoy and, and a lot of the other things that have happened, right? There's a lot, just as many yellows and convoys though, there's way many more small carriers and small brokers right. in that business. It was, it was not, it was a sad year, right? You and I know yeah. both know people who, have had brokerages and, and carriers for a while that are that are struggling or have gone out of business. Um, I think the positive thing is, as that occurs, I think we're going to see capacity tighten up, um, which should drive rates up. I don't know how quickly that's going to happen because I think this is personally, you know, and, and all the data we have and, and what we've been looking at, and 
discussions I've had with a lot of different executives and people we work with, I think it's going to take a few months. Uh, I think you're probably looking at Q2 before we see any marginal, you know, increases, not back to a quote unquote normal level, whatever that is now. Um, but I think you'll see rates come back up a little bit, which will help kind of stave off a little bit of that cash flow issue that people have. Um, but I don't think until the back half of 24, we start to get to more normal levels. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's barring no other economic issues, right? right. That we might have. It's, a, it's an election year. There's a lot of debt right yeah. now. <laughs> People are <laughs> accumulating. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's a lot of other <laughs> straws that yeah. can break the camel's back. Right. Yeah, but I, think, but I think the freight rates, you know, as you see that capacity exit the market, our market should stabilize, I think, a little bit at least in the back half of Q2. And then it will really be before the, it'll be the back half of next year before we see anything significant yeah. at all. So. Well, on a positive note, I don't typically hear too many people say it's going to get worse. Um, <laughs> well, that's We're so wrong. Right. <laughs> I know. It feels right. so like defeatist to talk that way, but it's just, right. it's economics right now. I think, yeah. I think I think we had an, uh, too too many carriers enter the market in that last three years, and and brokers too, right? Which also creates capacity in a way. Um, so it's just kind of a reset, which is rough. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you look at some of these truck uh, um, areas where they're kind of holding areas throughout the country, where you see typically their their uh, um leasing facilities and whatnot and they're they're like a uh richie brothers auction and that type of thing mm -hmm. and they, they might have 20 30 trucks sitting there and man they're parking lots right now they're just full they're stuffed full of trucks and uh um that that's unfortunately you don't want to see that happen but uh, uh that um, that does need to happen to reset uh where we need to go to get the rates to a spot where they need to be. So, um, so I, I, I agree with you there. Um, all right. Well, with that, I think we are at our time here and I certainly appreciate you coming on and, and chatting. Uh, we love to have you back on another time. Uh, an hour goes by really fast. Yeah, it does. It always does. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Nate. I appreciate having me on. I'm excited to see yeah. you in a couple months. We'll be back on the trail. Yeah, yeah, back on the trail. February is going to show up real, real fast. We'll have to see where you guys are staying and all that stuff, and and get caught up here in a in a couple of weeks and see how that goes. But uh, um, certainly appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to catching up. Uh, happy holidays to you and uh, and take care. Happy holidays to you as well, Nate. I appreciate, it, man. I uh, you can connect oh. with us too if yes. uh, if you want. Green screens. It's right on the screen. It's the easiest yeah. thing if I put it on the yeah. screen. Yeah, greenscreens.ai. You know, That's our uh, website. If you I go there, you know. can request a demo if you want a demo. Or, or I'm always open. You know me on LinkedIn. Uh, Nate and I are always going back and forth on there too. So um, yeah. you can always reach out to me there. I'm always willing to connect with people, especially right now. I, I keep saying like people are looking for jobs or different things with all the stuff that's been going on. I've been trying to connect different people in my network. So um, feel free to reach out. Yeah, perfect. Greenscreens.ai. Um, appreciate the time, Kevin. And uh, we'll catch you later. Um, 
Thanks for tuning into the podcast, everyone. Stay curious, stay informed, keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Until next time, drive forward with purpose and innovation.